0: In 1898, a young author by the name of Morgan Robertson published a fictional novel titled The Wreck of the Titan. It's about the maiden voyage of a transatlantic luxury liner named Titan. In the book, the Titan is reputedly unsinkable, yet on its voyage it hits an iceberg and sinks, resulting in an enormous loss of life. Sounds pretty familiar, right? Fourteen years later, in 1912, the Titanic transatlantic luxury liner sets off on its maiden voyage, and as we all know, and according to James Cameron's cinematic epic starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, the Titanic strikes an iceberg and sinks with an enormous loss of life. Here are some similarities between the fictional demise of the Titan and the actual tragedy of the Titanic. First of all, you have their names. Titan, Titanic... That goes beyond being eerily similar. Both ships wrecked in the month of April. The Titan had 3,000 passengers and crew members. Titanic had about 2,200. In the book, characters were concerned about the underwhelming amount of lifeboats the Titan carried. In reality, the exact same concern was had for the Titanic. Titan had 24 lifeboats. Titanic had 20. Of course, both ships didn't have enough. The Titanic weighed 75,000 tons, where the Titanic weighed 66,000 tons. The Titan was 800 feet long, where the Titanic was 882 and a half feet long. Both ships had three propellers. 2,500 people died on the Titan, where just over 1,500 died on the Titanic. The speed at impact for the Titan when it struck the iceberg was 25 knots. The speed at impact for the Titanic was 23 knots. So what are the chances that this young author would write a fictional story so similar to the actual catastrophe of the Titanic 14 years before the Titanic sank? Did he happen to catch a glimpse of the future somehow? Did he dream it? Maybe he possessed some kind of parasensory, a clairvoyance. Regardless of how he came up with the story, anyone can admit that the similarities between the fictional Titan and the actual Titanic are quite eerie. This is just one of the few stories I'll be sharing with you on today's episode. These stories involve some of my favorite topics, time slips, premonitions, and prophecies. So settle in, get comfortable, and tune your frequency to the strange, because this is Parasensory. I've always been obsessed with time. The possibility of time travel has always dazzled me. Einstein's theory of relativity, black holes, quantum physics. Let's just say I love things that blow my mind. It's one of the reasons I started this podcast. This episode has a lot to do with the mystery of time. As these stories will demonstrate, it seems there are certain dimensions of time, different layers. It seems that time is flexible, bendable. That time has many dimensions is a concept often advanced to account for prophecy. The concept the gist that there of there are the unfamiliar dimensions of time, time is most easily approached by way, way of those dimensions with if which a point we is are moved through familiar. space it marks a line with the one dimension of length. From this point we can infer that a body of three dimensions of is the, cross the two dimensions of, of length of and breadth. breadth. And if a plane is moved in space, if duration is one aspect of time, what might the others be? If access to higher dimensions of of time belongs to one body, it is at least theoretically possible... Okay, you know I'm not going to bore you with all the specifics. (laughs) But there is one simple thing these stories can tell us about time, and that is that time is not linear. Now, let's just get on with the episode and hear some mind-bending stories about time. So, this first story I want to share is actually a pretty common one. It involves a time slip, and if you're anything like me and you have an overwhelming fascination with this topic and you've researched stories about it, then odds are you've probably heard this one. Don't worry, I've got more stories for you. Uh, You know, this one's quite short, and I only share it here with you because it just never ceases to bewilder me each time I hear it. It's the story of a Royal Air Force pilot by the name of Victor Goddard. The year is 1934 and Victor is lost somewhere over Scotland. He was caught in a big storm and he needed to find a landmark to get his bearings straight. He knew that he had to be near an old abandoned airfield named Drim, so he flew below the clouds of the storm to see if he could spot it and sure enough, Victor's internal compass was right on the money. He could see the old abandoned airfield just ahead. Later on, Victor noted in his personal journal that when he was about a quarter mile away from Drim, something very strange and extraordinary happened. He says, It turns out the abandoned airfield was actually not abandoned at all. It was swarming with activity. Mechanics were working in blue overalls. There were planes, yellow planes parked everywhere. and Everything was bright and shimmery in the sunlight. Victor flew over the busy airfield at an altitude of no more than 50 feet and he was surprised that not one person looked up at him as he flew over. Victor then flew back up into the clouds and back to his military base where he was stationed. Since he found Drim Airfield, he was no longer lost and was confident about his direction. Once Victor was back at the base, he told his colleagues about how he had gotten lost and used Drim as a landmark to catch his bearings. Mentioned to them that Drem was back open, it was swarming with activity, there were mechanics and crews working, planes, those yellow planes were everywhere. His colleagues laughed and kind of showed a little bit of concern for Victor. That place has been in ruin for years, they'd say. No one's working at Drem these days, Vic. But I saw it, I know what I saw. Victor stood by his story. Eventually Victor's story was shrugged off and Victor didn't mention it much afterwards. It's recorded that, in fact, Drim Airfield was not in use and remained abandoned at this time. I want to note, once again, that this incident took place in 1934. So let's fast forward to 1938, four years later. At this time, the threat of war was growing daily in Europe, and as a result, Drim Airfield was reopened. It was used as an Air Force flying school. Mechanics were hired to service the planes, and they uniformly wore blue overalls. The color of the British training planes changed that year from silver to, you guessed it, yellow. On that particular ethereal day in 1934, it seems that Victor not only had the ability to fly through the storm, but also through time. All right, I've got another time slip story for you, and this time, two men, they find themselves in the midst of an air raid bombing, and they are running for their lives. The year is 1932, and Bernard Hutton, a reporter, Joachim Brandt, a photojournalist, was sent to cover a story at the Hamburg shipyards in Germany. They did their story as an executive took them around the shipyard, and by the end of the afternoon, they were done. Easy peasy, right? As they were leaving, they both heard the drone aircraft above. They both looked up and spotted the planes. Moments later, the two could hear nothing but anti-aircraft guns. Pure chaos quickly ensued all around them. Suddenly, they were surrounded by the explosions of bombs. Before long, the shipyard was an inferno, blazing and burning to the ground. What the two men had first taken as a practice drill was soon realized to be a full-scale air raid. The two men were scrambling for their lives. Brand, the photographer, started capturing pictures to document the attack. As they ran out of the front gate of the shipyard, they turned back to ask a guard if there was anything they could do to help. The guard threateningly told them to go about their business. So the two ran to their car and left. As they drove into town nearby, they noticed everyone going about their everyday business, shopping, eating, drinking, the usual. No one seemed to even notice the explosions and the destruction taking place just down the road from them. So they stopped the car and looked back at the shipyard. As the light of the day was fading, they saw that the shipyard that moments ago was erupting in flames lay intact and unharmed. What in the hell, the two wondered. A few days later, Brandt developed his film. To his astonishment, they showed nothing unusual. When the men told their editor what happened, he accused them of being drunk on the job. Fast forward to 1943, just before World War II broke out. Hutton left Germany to live in England. One day, he saw a newspaper article. It was about a highly successful air raid performed at night by the Royal Air Force on the Hamburg shipyards. The photographs accompanied by the article were precisely what he and Brandt saw in the spring of 1932. What they had seen was in fact real. They just happened to see it 11 years before it happened. This next story involves a premonition, a glimpse into the future, perhaps by way of a dream. It's about Eva Hellstrom. She is the founder of the Swedish Society for Psychical Research, and in 1954, Eva had a dream. She dreamt that she and her husband were flying over Stockholm, and as she looked down, she witnessed a terrible accident. It was a crash that involved a green train and a blue trolley. The dream was very visceral at the time. So at that time in Stockholm, all of their trains were painted brown, so Eva didn't think much about her dream. I mean, it's just a dream, right? Only a few months after Eva's dream, Stockholm did introduce new green trains. Upon learning this, Eva began to feel very concerned about her dream. Turns out that after her dream, Eva sketched the position of both the train and the trolley and made a note in her diary. The accident will happen when the train from Jersholm and the number four trolley meet at Valhalla Vaken. This is a place where there have been accidents between autos and trains, but so far as I know, never with a trolley. On March 4, 1956, almost two years after Eva's dream, a blue number four trolley and a green Jersholm train collided at Valhalla Bagen. The position of the crashed vehicles was precisely as shown in Eva's sketch. So this will probably be the last story I share with you on today's episode. It also involves a dream, but more importantly, a disembodied voice and the dreaded message it has for its dreamer. Jamie Castell was a Spanish hotel executive. Three months before his child was due to be born, he had a dream where he heard a voice tell him that he would never see his child. After waking up, Castell felt overwhelming dread. Why would I have such a terrible dream, he asked himself. Castell was convinced that he would soon die, so he decided to take out a life insurance policy for more than $100,000, which is equal to 7 million pesetas. It was made payable only in the event of his death and with no other benefits. Only a few weeks later, he was driving home from work. A car going in the opposite direction, traveling over 100 miles an hour, struck a safety barrier. The car then somersaulted in mid-air and landed directly on top of Jamie Castell's car. Jamie and the other driver were killed instantly. The insurance company paid Mrs. Castell almost immediately. Normally, the death of someone who had just recently taken out such a specific policy would have an extensive investigation. But, as a spokesperson for the insurance company was recorded saying, This incredible accident rules out any suspicion. A fraction of a second either way, and he would have escaped. What the hell, right? What does this all mean? How are these things possible? Are these people crazy? How did Morgan Robertson come that close to writing a story so similar to the sinking of the Titanic? What did Victor see that day when he flew over Drim? Did he just make it up? How did Eva just so happen to have that dream? Why did Jamie decide that because he heard a voice and a dream, he really was going to die? How in the hell did the two guys from the newspaper find themselves in the middle of an air raid that wasn't even happening at the time they were witnessing it? This stuff does not make sense. It is well beyond our known understanding of time, which is why this is such a perfect subject for this show. The more mysterious, the more strange, the more it deserves to be here on Parasensory. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This episode has been a lot of fun. Reach out to me. I want to know what you think. I want to know what you think about the podcast. I want to hear your stories. I want to feature you and your stories on this podcast, damn it. So reach out. You can email me at parasensorypodcast at gmail.com subscribe if you haven't already subscribed guys until next time stay strange and remember there's more to this world than what we see